welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zenashe. I am your coach, your conduit, and your catalyst to that better life. A coach draws out hidden potential in the subject. A conduit provides a connection and a catalyst sparks change. So today we're going to be talking about goals. That's going to be our topic for the day, but we're going to go in a lot of different areas because I have a amazing guest with me, another spoken word artist. Um, and the, it is Arts Appreciation Month. It's October. And so it's great that I have another poet with me. So say hi to the people. Hi, people. I am Marie Williams, also known as She's So Cold. All right. <laughs> so thank you for being here with me. And, um, you know, so to give the people a little background, um, I met you through actually Facebook, I think. You reached out to me on some social media. It was Instagram. Mm -hmm. And you were coming in from out of town and you were going to be new to Houston. It wasn't that long ago, a couple of years ago. Yeah. uh, September of 2019. I reached out to you. I reached out to you in August of 2019, like fresh in Houston from Brooklyn. And I was so excited because you put me on the flyer and I was. I was just so excited to be on a show because I hadn't done poetry. I hadn't performed poetry in so long. So yes, um, I met someone who, who told me about you. Um, and so I, that's how I found out about you and I reached out and I, I met so many people. My, my whole career started because you said, yes, come on, let's come on on the show. Well, so thank, thank you. you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And you know, th- I think that's a great place to start talking about goals because mm-hmm. to me, when you have a goal, mm-hmm. the first step is taking a step, taking a baby step and saying, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to ask for uh, a position or I'm going to ask for an opening or I'm going to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of that's the first step just getting out of our comfort zone, maybe talking to somebody we don't know right. and just taking that risk. So what do you think is like the first step in trying to, I guess, accomplish your goals? Do you think it's setting the goal or do you think it's believing in yourself or what, what do you think is comes first? Like the chicken and the egg kind the of first, thing. <laughs> the first, you have to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. So I follow Abraham Hicks on YouTube Um, And I definitely believe in law of attraction. And so there was one point that was mentioned that when you, you have to believe that you were given the inspiration because the, the next step will be there for you. The footing, the landing is already there. That's why you were given the inspiration, not give you the inspiration and then hope that the footing, the guidance will be there for you. You have to step on, you have to, to go in knowing and so not just believing, I hope that makes sense. It's like, I want to know you have to, it's like, there may be some doubt in belief. Mm-hmm. It, there may be, some, but there's no doubt whatsoever in knowing. I know for a fact. And so that's what I believe the first step is in the goals is knowing, knowing that you can accomplish this, knowing that you were given the inspiration because the next step is going to be there for you. The next, the, the, the fork in the road, you will be guided as to which path to go. Now you have to go in knowing. I, I like that. You know, somebody, I don't know where it was, but somebody said in the middle of believe is lie, you oh, know, no. and, <laughs> no, I was and that at all, <laughs> you know, but, but, um, 
I, I like the knowing and I do like, you know, I had heard someone say, and I'm not sure who it was. They were saying, you know, that your path was set before you, before you got here mm-hmm. and you were actually created because there was a need for you. That need is what your, what your purpose is about. Right. And so when you get an inspiration, you're actually being inspired, you know, Inspiros, which is the the root of inspired, is actually means in God, mm. you know. So spiros is spiros is the same root of spirit, right? You know. So, um, so it's actually in a sense God speaking to you through you, and so I, I think that's really powerful that you said you have to know that it's already ordained for you. The steps, mm-hmm. the path is already laid out for you, and it's just for you to to walk it in a sense for you to take that first step to know that 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 it's already there for you. It's already laid out. You weren't given this idea just because you were given this idea with a purpose. And so if you are given the idea and the inspiration, you have to be obedient Mm -hmm. and you have to follow. And and, in order to be obedient, you have to know because it's the only only way with the obedience is the knowing or at least they're interconnected, I guess, if you, like you need you need knowing in order to be obedient because then there's no question you will follow through because oh well I know either I know I'm well or I know I am blessed or I know I will be successful so I'm going to be obedient because I know those things are coming anyway I think that's what I mean I, I like that I, I like that you know um I remember being a kid, you know, and you're sitting in class sometimes at the beginning of the year, your teacher has you write your goals down and you're like, oh, I don't even know. I don't know. And then when you get to be older, we have the whole New Year's Eve thing and, you know, New Year, new me. Right. We have the vision boards we have. So it, it becomes kind of a ritual. But I, you know, for me, it becomes a lot more than a ritual because to me, you have to constantly be setting goals, Mm -hmm. constantly be adapting your goals and constantly be evaluating where you are on your goals. You know, I I talked to him a lot about my cameraman, about my passion planner, Mm -hmm. because that's something that I love, you know, to write down the goals and then to kind of see every month where you are Mm -hmm. and, and have daily goals, monthly goals, whatever, you know, might be even weekly goals, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, have you had like a pattern of how you did things in terms of like yearly, monthly, weekly? I definitely had a schedule. Uh, I'm a Capricorn, so I am definitely into routines and schedules and consistency. And when I was single, that's when I had the most control over my schedule my routine was built just around myself and what I needed to accomplish for my family, for my children in, in that time. Now it's a little bit different because I take someone else into consideration, but definitely yearly, there would be a time where I would, I would set out all of my, my goals and it was never really very formal. I still have my, um, (laughs) I guess it could be my vision board, but it's really a sheet of notebook paper from two years ago. And I still have it pinned on my board. It's not that I don't have the new ones, but that one was very special to me because it was outside of the ordinary. It was, it was, it was intentionally organic. And so it's like doodles and a picture of a house and a picture of a car and, 
um, drawing dollar signs and stuff like that. Um, happiness or sage stick burning. It had a lot of doodles on it. And so I have that pinned on my board, but there was a time where I was very consistent about building my, my month, building my year, building, I had a two year plan. I got married. That was not in the two year plan. <laughs> so, so there, there definitely was a time where I was committed to being very structured and very consistent in writing out my goals and what my intentions were for the year, for the month. I was, it was just very, very strategic at one point. Mm-hmm. I'm working on it now to rebuild, rebuild the, the discipline. Mm-hmm. That's what's okay. needed. The discipline to do, to be consistent. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, okay. So you mentioned relationships and, and mm-hmm. I know parenting, we're both parents, mm-hmm. we're both mothers and, and I want it, we're going to be talking about matriarch a little bit later. Yes. Um, when it comes to goals in, in relationships or in parenting, like how do you determine what your goals are? Do you think about what you want, like a vision that you have or kind of what, what inspires like whatever goals that you have in that way. In a, while in the relationship, while in a relationship or once you have kids, cause you know, you talk about, we could talk about as a single person before right. we had kids, but everything was about us. Um, and we might've thought about our parents or our sisters or brothers, you know, but it was mostly focused on us. And then when you become a mother or you become a wife, it becomes very different. Right. Um, that's very interesting. So for a long time, for as long as I had been a parent, I didn't have goals for myself. I had goals for my children. And it wasn't until I moved to Houston and my children got a little bit older. So they're late teens. Now my oldest is 19. My twins will be 18 next month. Um, I do have my, my six year old. So I, I'll speak about the older children. For a long time, I, I did not exist outside of them. My job was based on how I could survive as a single mother with them. What was my travel time like? Because it how it affected my children. I did not have goals for myself. Once I got to Houston in 2019 and my children were getting older, they're in high school now. I didn't have to micro mom. Mm. <laughs> so. Like- so now I get to focus on myself. I'm focusing on my health and I'm focusing on the possibility of a new relationship because also coming here, I walked away from a five-year relationship. So coming to, to Houston, it was a shedding for me. And then I created new goals. And then I met my husband actually at one of your shows before he was my husband. (laughs) And then I had goals while we were dating I had my own personal goals while we were dating and I went into my marriage with my own personal goals. We, we're building now, we're building our, our, our platform, our baby, we're building, we're creating our, what, what we want our vision to, how we want our vision to be displayed. That's what we're doing now individually as Marie Williams, as she's so cold, I have my own goals that, that were, that are separate from my husband, that are separate from what we are building. Because for so long, Marie did not have, there was no focus on Marie and what she wanted. So yes, I want to be a motivational speaker. Yes, I want to be on someone's television. Yes, I want to rub elbows with Tabitha Brown and Oprah Winfrey. I want I yes. want all of that with yes. Lisa Nichols. I want that. Yes. I want that for my life. 
You get what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so those are goals that I want for myself, yes. not necessarily with my husband. Like, to, I want him on the journey. Right. But personally, my individual goals for myself is to get myself to that level where I can be in front of a mass audience to deliver this message. Yes. That's what I want. You know, I, I asked you that question because I wanted to see if just what your journey was to goal setting, because my journey is very similar to yours. I was very much raised. And I think many women are raised that once you have kids, that's it. You just take a back seat and you don't think about yourself. Right. You don't think about what you need, what you want. It's, it's all about them. And there's some truth to that. But then there comes, I think, a point in time when most women say, okay, I only have one life. Mm-hmm. And if, if I spend my entire life revolving around my children, then where's my fulfillment going to come from? Because at a certain point I can't live through them. Right. You know, I have to have my own, you know, fulfillment in my own sense of, of purpose Mm -hmm. being fulfilled. And so, you know, when my, when my kids turned 18, Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, I'm not putting you out of the house or anything, but the focus is going to shift to mama. Yeah. The focus is going to shift to mama's goals, to mama's vision, to mama's purpose, because mama has raised you. Now I'm still here. You could be, this is your home. This is, I'm, I'm here for you, but I'm my not focus, you. yeah, I'm not micro momming <laughs> you anymore. I love that term that you said. I'm not micro momming you, you know. So, um, and and sometimes people say, well, you know, you've done a lot in in the time that you've been out on the scene, and and I'm sure they probably say that to you too, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that there comes as women. I think it's different than being a man. I don't, I, I can't speak really because I've never been a man, but right. I'm just saying it, in my head, it's different because I don't think men ever have to make that sacrifice. Um, I don't think they do it in the same way that women do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when it comes to that time, when we say, okay, these kids are 18, it's mama's turn. Mm-hmm. And then we get this real fire under our butt. And it's oh. like, we're just going like full steam, like a caboose with yeah, a fire I'm or a rocket. Right, baby. You know? I am on strike. Yeah. And, like I am completely mm-hmm. focused on what yeah. I can do for myself so that I can feel good, so that I feel better, so that I am not ignored because I know from whence I came. Mm, and yes. so even, even my, my kids are like, oh, so mom, you just not going to cook anymore. I cook when I want to cook. Mm. Y'all. All of y'all know how to cook in here. <laughs> what do you mean? My my little one is very picky, so he's easy. We get some mac and cheese. We get peanut butter and jelly. Easy peasy. I don't have to cook. I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I wash your clothes. Who? Who? I make sure there's detergent here. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just, I parent differently now. Mm-hmm. I definitely parent differently now so that I can pay attention to myself. And also in paying attention to myself, I'm noticing things. Um, I'm noticing things about, about myself that, that I never, I didn't contain before, like living with anxiety. I didn't contain it. I'm I, no, I'm sorry. I contained it because I had no choice as a, as a, as a mom, there's only so much of your anxiety that you can display to your children. And I didn't realize how much I was suppressing because now that they're older, I get to be honest about it. And it seems like, I was suppressing a lot of anxiety and now it's, it's showing up. It like, I can feel it physically. I know what my, my triggers are. I know how to express myself a lot better. 
now that I'm, I'm getting a little bit older, but I do realize that the mom in me had to hide. I had to hide what I felt because it wasn't nearly as important as what my children felt, what my children experienced. And that, and now in this age of the kids are getting ready to, I'm, I'm, we're, we're in empty nesting transition. I already have one that she has her own place now. And so just watching them start to live their own life, I get to really pay attention to the things that have, that I have ignored, such as anxiety, such as depression, high functioning depression, you know. That's again, you said a lot. So I want to, I want to go back to relationships and then we're going to go to self-care for a minute. Okay. So when you, um, got into a relationship and I think that there, for many women, there comes this, um, decision that we make as we realize things are getting serious Mm -hmm. and it is something along the lines of, I have so much ambition I have so much that I want to do. Is this man going to support? Is he going to hold me back? Is he going to try to, well, when I met you, you were this way. Mm -hmm. I want you to stay this way, but, but I want to go as far as I could go. Don't don't tell me to stay like this because I want to go as far as I could go. And, and then, um, you have to, in a sense, kind of have a conversation and say, Hey, if you're signing up to be with me, um, this is the journey I see myself going on. Mm-hmm. And these are the goals that I have. And I think that that is kind of a new conversation that many men have not been, um, have never had to have because I think my mother probably never had that conversation with my father. I'm sure I know for a fact my grandmother mm-hmm. never did that. I don't think my aunts and uncles did because they were very much okay, kind of, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, and that's it. And my, my ambitions are very small. And, uh, my mom was a hustler. She was a, she was an entrepreneur, but still, I feel like compared to me, Mm -hmm. her ambitions were very small. She could go, she could handle her ambitions in a nine to five. You know what I'm saying? Even though she was an entrepreneur, it, it wasn't, it didn't take it, it didn't infringe mm-hmm. in a sense on the family as much as maybe other people's other women now who want to travel, who want to perform, who want to speak on national stages and wants to, you know, they want to be in different things. So what do you think about that in terms of women getting the confidence, uh, feeling worthy of saying, Hey, um, I, I know that everybody's telling me, you need to have a man, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but I really need this too. Yes. I need these goals. I need this purpose. That's part of my fulfillment. It's not just the wife. It's not just the girlfriend status. It's, mm-hmm. it's all of me. If he can't take all of me, then, mm-hmm. um, maybe, what are we doing? you know, yeah. What well, are we I doing? Was fortunate. <laughs> That's pro- this is probably the, one of the most exciting parts of my adult life is that even through all the relationships that I have tarried through, mm. I was blessed with a partner that is really a fan of my work. Mm. He is my fan. He is my supporter. He is like my number one fan. So he's pushing like, you can do this. You can do this and you can do this. Let's try this way. Let's try this way. Oh, giving me suggestions, mm-hmm. giving me the best uh, just advice, the support. 
Um, truthfully, when I met him, I wasn't, I wasn't sure about what my goals were yet. My goals came along the way and he watched me build She's So Cold up as a poet, as a performing artist. He supported me in building She's So Cold. So it almost became, I became his goal as well, his dream as well. So he supports this, what I'm doing. He knows that I'm, I'm taking off. He knows that that's where my heart is. And he is going, he's empowering, he's encouraging, and he's going to be right there with me, right there, because he wants to see me succeed just as much. There, my husband is, is, is a bit of an introvert. He's not the social butterfly like, like I am. <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he's stronger in the background because he's more observant. He's more quiet. I get the best of him, the loudest version of him, the public, uh, people in the community, they get a very secure version of my husband. So he's okay being in the back because that's where he's most influential in, in both his life and my life. He's amazing. And so I was, I was fortunate enough to have someone who wanted to support me. I didn't have to pick one. I don't have to pick one. I can have both. He allows me to have both. That is a, it's not a privilege, but it's definitely, I know it's a desire. It's, it's on the, the heart of so many women mm-hmm. who are, who are, who may have experienced men who are intimidated by their success or their drive or their ambition. I don't believe that my husband feels that way. I believe that he is 100% supportive of my ambition. If not, he might be flattered and turned on by it. <laughs> gotcha. 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 We, we empower each other. We yes. empower each other. And that's, that's, and, and we had some years in life, you know, we're, 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 uh, I don't think we're middle-aged, but we're pre-middle-aged, you know, we're up in our late thirties, early forties. Um, and so we came in with some life experience into our marriage and, um, it, it, it's a little bit easier for us to learn how to blend because we're not, we're not so old that we're stuck in our ways but we are experienced enough to say, this is what I, I want to do this differently than before because everything else before you didn't work. And so now we made a commitment. Let's, let's make this work. So I have, I have that kind of partner. That's beautiful. And, Thank and you. I can say, um, with the guy that I'm dating, that was a, deci- that was a discussion we had to have. Cause I was like, look, mm-hmm. every man I've ever been with has tried to put me in a box and kind of mm-hmm. keep me there and, you know, I got out of that box when I got divorced and I'm not going back in. Right. So, and I don't want to lose myself in this relationship either. I don't want to give so much to you that I forget who I am. Right. But I also don't want you pushing me to stay the same mm-hmm. or trying to control who I am or how I express myself because it took a long time for me to get here. And, right. and, and it took a lot of unlearning. Mm-hmm for me to embrace my goals and feel worthy of my goals and feel confident enough to try all kind of new things that I'm right, trying, right. you know? Um, and so it, it's, it's a beautiful thing when the person says, okay, I see everything about you. I see everything that you want and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I support you and I'm not going to try to control you or, or keep you where you are or where you've been. I'm going to let you grow and I want to grow with you. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, and even in, in, me t- in terms of me writing this book, I'm like, 
You know, I'm putting all my business out there. You're going to be able to handle all my business out there. You need to know. You need to know what you're getting into. And uh, (laughs) he was like, yeah, uh, I can handle it. I'm secure. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay. All right. right. See what happens. So that's that's a beautiful thing. So so I wanted to to go to the self-care goals because you were talking about you're at this point now Mm -hmm. where – Self-care is a priority. Being honest, being authentic is a priority. And that's a different place for you, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and, and what, what kind of made you feel like, like that was important or that was something that you, a a change you needed to make? My children, Hmm. my children, they triggered it. It was one day I was just like, this is, this has got to stop. It's, there's, it, it, in the midst of it, it didn't look like talking back. It, it looked like a conversation. When I look back on it now, my kids were talking back. They were mm. talking back to me. And it became me wanting to make them respect me. It's like, you don't respect me. You don't respect me as your mother. And I, I didn't want to beg for my respect for mm. my children. So I started creating my boundaries. Mm. No, no. No, I'm not. I'm not taking you anywhere. Oh, well, I have a ride. Okay, no problem. Mom, can you send me $50? No. No. Did I have to tell you to take the trash out? Did I have to tell you to clean the room? Did I, like These are the things that you know that you've been doing for the past however many years because you didn't just become 17 this month. You've been responsible for cleaning your room and taking out the trash and cleaning the kitchen, not washing the dishes, but cleaning the kitchen. You've been responsible for those things for years. Why am I still asking you? Why, why, are we, why are we still here at 17 when you drive my car? Why are we still here? Why are we still doing middle school stuff and we're going into adulthood? Why? Why? We ha- there's, no, there's no middle ground. You, we're going forward. That means that the childish stuff has to stop. I'm not waking you up for school. I'm not doing it. How old are you? Where's your alarm clock? If you could stay up until two o'clock in the morning, you can get up and go to school because you didn't just start going to school today. Mm-hmm. That is what happened. I got tired. I got tired of begging for my respect for my children. Mm-hmm. And I just started to create my boundaries and it, it, it poured over into everything else. It started in my home first and then it affected my relationships with my siblings, with my friends or my associates, uh, business relationships, I became almost rigid in my boundaries. No, I don't like it. You violate me, then I don't work with you anymore. Um, No, no, you talk to me that way, then I don't come here anymore. I began to be more rigid, so I had to find a little wiggle room in there because it almost looked like there was no forgiveness just Mm. because I said no, or just because of the way I said no, because also it's not just, it's not the what it's also the how. Mm. And so there you, you can get to a point where you're saying respect my boundaries, but you're saying with a little steam on it, Mm. you know, you say it with a little attitude, but when it doesn't require, it's just because you're so empowered by respecting your boundaries, you're going to respect my boundaries. I said, no. And it's like, well, but why are you saying it so aggressively? Mm. (laughs) Because it's like, oh, I'm sorry. No, (laughs) no. So 
that's that's what happened. It it started at home. It I just got tired. My I had a really um unorthodox relationship with parenthood, motherhood. Mm. It's a love-hate relationship, not mm. with the children, with the idea of motherhood, single motherhood. And so there's a lot of selflessness that is involved in motherhood. Mm. And so later the resentment builds up. Mm. And so that's that's where I got to where I says, there's you're respecting my boundaries now because your dad is not here and I'm catching all the smoke and I don't want it all. I don't deserve it. Mm. And that's where I am now. I will get into a space of saying, I did my time. I did my time. I don't want to keep doing this with you guys. Grow up. I'm like, hurry up now. I've already, I've, I've, I've done the whole, the whole mommy thing. It's mom now. Grow up. <laughs> I, I, I understand a lot of what you're saying because um, I have two boys mm-hmm. and um, they have uh, made poor decisions at times that got them where they wanted mama to bail them out of jail mm-hmm. and things like that. And, and I was like, you got one time each, one time each. And then, yeah. then that's it. I, I'm yeah. not doing it again. <laughs> um, you're going to have to, you were raised to make good choices. Right. You were raised to understand cause and effect. Right. Um, you were raised to understand that I love you unconditionally, but that does not mean that I'm going to clean up your mess. Right. Because now that you're a man, men have to clean up their own messes. Mm-hmm. And men the have to deal of love is unconditional, you know, not right. the action of love mm-hmm. is there's, and, right. there's boundaries here. Right. There's within boundaries. reason, within reason. And, and, and just, and, and then there is the, then, then my kids are at the point where they've got kids, they've mm-hmm. got girlfriends, baby moms, all that. And it's like, okay, listen, I will give you advice, but I'm not cleaning up that mess either. You know, I'm not stepping in and, and running interference. I'm not doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, a babysitter whenever you want. I, I love to take care of my grandkids sometimes. Mm-hmm. But once again, when my son came to me and said, mama, um, I have something to tell you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, you a little too late. Cause her mama already told me they at the oh. clinic. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, and I just, got you out my house and now you just coming back. We haven't even gotten that together. You know, so that was seven years ago. Um, my son is 26 and he was literally 19. A baby. You know, my daughter is 19 right now. And I'm like, and yeah, you know, 19 having a baby, 19 having a baby. I was not ready. Yeah. Um, that was not on my goals to be a grandmother. I'm like, (laughs) You can't call me grandma. I'm not, oh, no, no, I'm no, not ready. I'm, I'm not, not ready. ready. <laughs> I'm literally 46 years old. How am I a grandmother? How? I wasn't even, I think I was 45 when, when he told me, but you know, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you move through it. You grow right. through it. You change, you, you adapt. And then, you know, you, you come out on the other side. Um, you know, speaking of that, um, you have a show coming up. Yes. matriarch so we're talking about motherhood oh. and and all of the things that go with it um and um 
I believe that my mother had a huge impact on my life. Um, if you would have asked me that when I was growing up, I would have said my father had more of an impact, which he probably did, but my mother did have a huge impact on my life. Um, and when my mother passed, my sister was like, uh, okay, you need to be my mama now. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm your sister. I'm, I did a lot of raising you because I was just 10 years difference between us. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of raising of you, but no, I'm not stepping into those shoes. I may, you may want me to be the matriarch of the family, but mm-hmm. this is what I'm comfortable doing. I'm right. not going to be having all the, the, the dinners at my house. You know, I'm not going to have all. <laughs> now I can cook. I've cooked for 16 people now. I know how to do these dinners, but. But that's we don't. That's not where we yeah, are. Yeah, that's that's you know, um, and and I'm not gonna do certain things. So, um, what do you think? What is what does being a matriarch mean? Like, why did you pick that name for your show? What what does that mean? So, a matriarch is a leading woman, a leading female, not necessarily a mother, but a leader of her tribe, a leader of her people. That is the matriarch. Um, October is also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Mm. This year makes 18 years that my mother will have been gone from stage four breast cancer. And every year I do nothing. Mm. I do not celebrate. I do not do breast cancer walks. I don't wear pink. I don't do anything associated with breast cancer awareness or support. I never have. This year, I decided that I would honor my mother instead of grieving her. And it took life to come back around to me. It took awareness to come back around to me for me to say, every year you grieve your mama. Every year you you keep it all to yourself. Every year. When are you going to celebrate what she did do for you, what she did in your life? And so that's how I came up with Matriarch. Um, My grandmother is also, my grandmother passed away in 2018. And she was absolutely 100% the matriarch of our family. Head of the family brought all of her children from both England and from Jamaica to the U.S. And raised up children who made lives for themselves, um, who, who are just, amazing people in general. My grandmother did that. I celebrate her. And so because I have the platform, I said, let me collect some women who I can celebrate, who I, who I respect as poets, who I have seen how they show up, whether it be in conversation, just in the community, uh, just, you know, uh, people talking and say, oh yeah, I know this person. Oh yeah. They're a really nice person. Okay. I, I can, I can, I can dig that. I like when people are just like, oh, that person is just so nice. Not because they did anything super impactful, but they just showed up in their best selves. And so those people always come across my ear. And so because I get that, I decided that I would be able to pull from some really strong women to show up and say, hey, let me honor you as women. Let me put you on on a platform where I want to honor the women who are amazing in my life. Who are the matriarchs? Are you a matriarch? Tell me about it. What do you feel about it? And so that's what what I wanted to do. I wanted to bring like our DJ is a female DJ who has an amazing non for profit um, DJ TNT um, uh, from Felon to Phenomenal. I believe that's the name of it. We have Rain the Poet who has 
artwork who also has a book. She's a published author, a nationally recognized slam poet. We have Rock the Truth, who is also an amazing author and, and poet. Sharika Mitchell, new on the scene, Teresa Cox. These are women who have been sharing their story on social media. I handpicked them with intention. I spoke to each one of these women and told them what my vision was. And so collectively, I feel like we are going to open up a window for a lot of women to feel seen, to feel heard, to feel validated, um, and to feel loved. That is beautiful. And, and I'm definitely all about that because mm -hmm. I think that so many women, um, of various ages, not just women, your age, my age, but even younger women mm -hmm. feel that, um, they need to minimize themselves sometimes and, and not accept their full power. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we are powerful as women and, and to just say, okay, I'm here and I have a voice mm -hmm. and I have a purpose and I, I want to live in that. And, and it may not be, as you said, it may not be some being a celebrity. It may just be influencing my circle. Right. But just to be my authentic self in that circle and, and really show up as my authentic, powerful self. I think that's really powerful. And mm -hmm. speaking of, you know, moms who passed on, mm -hmm. my mother, her birthday is tomorrow. Ah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, so this will be three years that she's been gone. Mm -hmm. And last year was the second year when I woke up on her birthday I sat in the bed and I was thinking, oh, what am I going to do for mom's birthday today? And then it just hit me. I can't do anything. Um, and I was just a little, oh, oh, yeah, okay. That. And then all of this just, all of this stuff just rolled over me. It was like memories, feelings, thoughts. And, and a lot of times when that happens, I start to write. And so a lot of times I write on my phone, but this time I sat at my computer, I started writing. Mm -hmm. I looked up, it was five hours later. Oh man. And then I was like, I didn't even know. It was like I went into a trance and I just started writing. Was, you know, I just was just all of this stuff was pouring out of me and just I was just writing. And then I scrolled all the way up to the top and I was like, what am I even writing? And I started reading it and I was like, I'm writing that book that everybody says I should write because mm -hmm. this book was started that day. Mm -hmm. And I started the day I got divorced. Mm. And my mom had helped me get through that divorce. And, and you know, my mom, I had asked my mom, I was like, you know, I'm married to this man. We've become like coworkers. We have no relationship, no romantic relationship at all. We mm -hmm. don't have sex. He won't treat his impotence. He's told me that part of our marriage is over. Oh, wow. And I, I feel miserable and I'm beginning to hate him. I'm beginning to be so bitter and resentful. And I'm like, but he's not abusive, mom. He's a wonderful father. And my mother said, but what about you? Yeah. Did you sign up to just be a mother or did you sign up to be a wife? Did you want a husband or did you want just a father for your children? And I said, no, I wanted a, I wanted a husband, mom. I wanted a husband. And she was like, then you need to do what's right for you. And, and, and then I was like, okay. So that, that gave me validation mm -hmm. that, yeah, this man isn't just, you know, calling me out my name and it, but, but he literally does not care mm -hmm. that I'm hurting, 
that I've begged him to go to the doctor, that I begged him to get mm -hmm. treated. He, he doesn't care. His ego is bigger. Mm -hmm. So it's like that was the day that uh, I started writing this book. And then once I started, I called my editor because we were actually working on this book, Synergize Your Life. Mm -hmm. And we were going to release this in December. And it was October 31st. I started it October 3rd because I thought maybe I was going to be able to stop it. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, let me write for a while. Let me write for a while. Maybe mm -hmm. I can stop it, put it on the shelf. I need to finish this one. I called her Halloween and I said, uh, I'm working on another book. Mm -hmm. And she said, we haven't finished the other one yet. I said, uh, yeah, I know, but I'm working on another book and I want it to be out by Valentine's because I want it to be a love letter to women. I want it to be a love letter to tell them to find themselves, to, to, to find their voice, to go on whatever journey they got to go on. Mm -hmm. And she was like, can you have it to me by January 1st? I was like, yes. Because you had already started. Uh-huh. I had already started it. Mm -hmm. So I actually wrote from October 3rd to December 8th was I wrote the first draft. From December 8th to the 31st, I wrote the second draft. And we got it out February 9th, actually. Oh. And uh, yeah, it it's hit. It was a quick timeline. It was very quick. Right, right. Very fast. Mm -hmm. But uh mothers are powerful and, and the memory of our mothers can be so instrumental and just so grounding, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just, you know, it's great that you're honoring that. So I wanted you to be able to tell people like where they can get your tickets and, okay. and, and more about Puff Puff Poetry because we didn't even bring that up yet. Yes. Um, so Puff Puff Poetry, well, for tickets for Matriarch are on Eventbrite. Um, you just type in Puff Puff Poetry and to pull us right up, my husband and I. Um, so Puff Puff Poetry is our, our baby, our creation. We started, um, co-poetry group LLC. So that is our business. I haven't, I don't have a lot of words for it yet. We're still figuring it out. Let me, to be honest and vulnerable, we're still figuring it out. What are we doing with this? We got it. We have the name. Okay, now what? We're still figuring it out. But Puff Puff Poetry is a production put on by Co-Poetry Group. And so it is a celebration of poetry, vulnerability, and art history, um, and creativity and performance while also being in a vibe. We created a vibe. So you know that when you come to Puff, you're going to get intense, intense performance poetry. And then you'll know that you're gonna have a good time as well. So that's what we created. Um, and we're still building it up. We've been doing it for a year. We've grown exponentially. It's so flattering. It's so flattering when um, people share our, our stories, when people support us, when, buy, when they buy the tickets, because we, we do this because we, the, how we create our show is how we want it to be treated as poets. When you come on our stage, you are showered with love and respect for your artistry. I am intentional about keeping in contact with the people who are on our show, introducing everyone to everyone. So you know who you're working with. You know who you're sharing the stage with. It's not just we selling tickets and you come out here and hang out. No, let me create a networking opportunity for these poets. You may not have ever worked together before. You didn't even know who each other were. Now you do. Um, like, for example, uh, we do a photo shoot 
So our artist meeting is held several weeks before the show. We do a photo shoot and this is where all the, the people on the show get to meet each other. The DJ, um, the light guy, the sound guy. Um, most of the time the owners are there, the owners of Tribeca. And then we honor our guests poets with a photo shoot we also use that photo shoot to create their flyers and now they have professional pictures that they can use for their own marketing or whatever um, so we offer things like that um, just providing an experience instead of just a show that's what we wanted to do wanted we wanted to create a production this is as close to theater as i've ever been just um the setting, the setup of our show. We have couches. We do have like booths, like Applebee's booths. You know, the Applebee's booths are like the most comfortable booths ever. <laughs> so we have like <laughs> Applebee booths and um, couches and, and it's very lounge-ish instead of folding chairs and very um, symmetrical seating. We want you to be relaxed. I want you to come in here and chill out and enjoy this poetry and catch this music and catch the vibe. That's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So um, with setting goals professionally mm -hmm. or as an artist, I guess we'll put it, we'll go that way. Um, what do you think an artist needs to do in terms of like thinking about like who they want to be or what they want to do as an artist. Like, where did you start with your kind of journey of goal setting of who she's so cold is and where she wants to go? So I took a personal development class back in 2019. And that is what sparked my desire to get back on stage. I stopped performing um, in 2003, four, two, 2002. December of 2002 was my last time on the stage. I was pregnant. I was unhappy. I was 19. And I was very self-conscious about my pregnancy situation. So I stopped performing altogether. The next time I stepped on stage was in July of 2019. And so I came in with a different goal. It wasn't to be a, a poet per se, it was to be more, more than, than what, than what I had my previous poetry life. My previous poetry life was just poetry. I just want to write. I want to get on the stage and I want to perform. But I was also 18, 19 when, when I wanted to be on the stage. Now, when I come back at 37, 38, I'm looking farther than poetry, but poetry is the catalyst because that's where the passion is. So for when you're going to set your goals, it has to be in alignment with your passion, not somebody else's. Um, and you have to be honest with yourself about what you want to do. I know that I want poetry to take me where I want to go, but ultimately I want to be bigger than I want to talk to. I want to reach more than. Yeah. Being honest, being honest with yourself about what you want, about what you're passionate about. That's the first goal is to identify what you're passionate about. That's how you start. Once you figure out what you're passionate about, then you can pour into nurturing it, fertilizing it with whatever tools you need in order to get that going. But first identifying 
what the passion is. That should be the first goal. I like that. I agree Mm -hmm. with that. You know, I did not know when you came in here to uh, the Zenergy (laughs) studio that Mm -hmm. we had so many similarities of, you know, losing ourselves in motherhood. Mm -hmm. Um, I went 17 years without writing, too. Wow. Yeah. And and that's in my book. I went 17 years without writing because Mm -hmm. I was married 17 years. So Mm -hmm. in both of my marriages, I did not feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, when I wrote a lot of those things were used against me. Mm. Um, if I was journaling, I, I didn't write period. Like I didn't even journal, um, because a, a lot of that was read and, and I used to journal to vent because mm-hmm. I didn't want to take it out on anybody. Right. So I would write down all my, he was such and such and such and such and such, such, you right, know, I would do right. that. <laughs> and some of my poetry would be like that too, would be very much, um, complaining or or what I wanted what I imagined what I would love to have but I didn't have at the at the time Mm -hmm. so I literally was accused from my journals of cheating of of doing all kind of different things of being you know this other kind of person which was not at all any of the case so I was like I can't I don't have a safe space I can't this is gonna have to stay in my head Right. Because if I put it on paper, it's going to be used against me. It's going to be misunderstood. It's going to be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, uh, when I was in my first marriage, my ex thought I spent too much time reading and writing. So he took all of my books that I loved and my former publications, he put them out in the rain when I was at work. What? What? And oh. uh, I came home and there's a box of all my books and I just reached into it. It was like a clump of mud just through oh. my fingers Every book that I had, every publication that I had was gone. I said, I, nobody that I'm living with will ever be able to take my writing and put it out in the rain. So I'm not going to even put it down there. It's going to be in my brain. Mm. It's going to be, nobody can take it from me. So those were two experiences I had. So I didn't write for 17 years. And so when I got divorced and I was like, I started writing again, it was a rebirth. And I even put it in the book it was a whole rebirth and, and, and just coming to that. So for me, the goal was finding myself, mm-hmm. having the safety to express myself. And then I was using poetry as stress relief. And then once I got on the stage, it was like, I had no goal to be a performance artist. That was not a goal at all. Mm-hmm. But I got on stage and it was like, the vibe was so incredible. The energy oh. was so addictive. I was like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. And then once that happened, then I didn't, as you said, I didn't necessarily like the way some of the shows were done. Um, I didn't like some of the disorganization. I didn't like some of the cattiness or the, I, I wanted there to be a respect. I wanted there to be a, a um, just a peace in, 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 a, in a sense of community. Mm-hmm. And so I, I created my own show because of that. You know, so I think we have a lot of similarities on that. So I wanted you to tell people kind of to wrap up, what would be like your tips, any tips that you want them to take with them about goal setting, about following their passion, about whatever you want to leave with them, and then also tell them where they can find you. Okay. So the tips that I have for goal setting I don't have anything. I'm still working on figuring that out myself. 
I just identify what my passion is. That's what I have. I have my passion. That's the first step. Um, you can do something for a lot of years and be really good at it. In my real life, in my nine to five that I currently still have, I work as an administrative assistant and I'm like at like top pay grade for it because I've been doing it for so long and I just know how to support other people. Mm. I'm an admin, this is what I do, right? Now that I'm pouring into myself and identifying who I am as a woman, as an artist, as a creative, as a businesswoman, I know that my passion is to to support the women who may have feel who may feel that they are forgotten. My my passion is to love on the women who don't feel heard the mothers who have forgotten their passion, mm. the the women who have a tough time forgiving, the women, the mamas, the leaders, the matriarchs. That's my passion. How do I connect with them? That's what I want to do. And I don't know what that looks like, but I know it doesn't stop at poetry. Mm. Yeah, You know what I mean? If poetry is the way that I'm going to get to them, if poetry is the way that I'm going to get to their ear, then that's what I'm doing. I know that that that's where my passion lies is connecting with those women. And I just so happen to be really good at performance poetry. I'm also a bomb ass administrative assistant. You know what I mean? That does, that's not my passion though. It doesn't mean I don't want to do that. So when the job was like, Hey, we have a promotion in line or there's a promotion coming up. I don't want it. Cause I don't intend to continue to work for other people. Mm. I don't want their office to take me away from my passion. And it took me 40 years to get to that point where I could say, I don't want to be taken away from my passion because I just found out what it is. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, and where can they find you? They can find me on, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at she underscore so underscore cold. That's All right. It. And I'll tell them again what, what uh, day Matriarch is on. Matriarch is on Friday, October 7th at 7 p.m. Tickets are available on Eventbrite. Oh, you can also follow me on my webpage that I am I'm falling in love with slowly but surely. Um, she's so cold Um, but yes, my social media is probably my most active platforms, TikTok. Um, well, let me just identify that I, I, I use these platforms in different areas. My Instagram, she underscore so underscore cold is mostly my poetry. Actually, it's all poetry. That's all of the events that I do, just the things that I am, who I am as she's so cold on my TikTok is where I pour into the women um, who are mothers. That's where I put my Vulnerability Chronicles series, where I talk about my feelings as a mother, a single mother, my feelings as a married mother, my feelings as a mother of teenagers, my feelings as a mother of a toddler, uh, my feelings as a mother going back into a new passion. So that's my mothering series. And then She's So Cold on Facebook. I'm slowly building that up too just figuring out what direction I want to go in with it since I, I have an option. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I am Zenashe, uh, Z-E-N-A-S-E. And in my passion, my goals, it's all about growth-minded individuals. I want people who want to grow to have tools to grow. 
And I want them to have the confidence that they can grow and that their growth does not need to look like anybody else's growth. And that a healing journey is a journey. And you never, you never get to the end of the healing journey. You know, you always can heal Mm -hmm. and you always have experiences that may make you need to heal. Mm -hmm. So I want to show the healing journey in all of its warts, all of its flaws, all of its ups and downs. That's what my book is for. That's what this journal is for, for people to go on their own healing journey, their own journey into who they are, what they want to do. And, and just getting rid of all the negative programming that has kept them from being their authentic self. Because, you know, I feel like I was limited a lot by things that people told me, things I believed. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not as limited because I keep shedding and shedding and shedding those things. And as I keep shedding those things, more doors keep opening. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel more empowered to try more things um, I, I start meeting different people. So as we grow, just opportunities abound. And so I want people to experience that life and not to feel like where they are is where they have to be. Mm-hmm. But where they are is just a stepping stone to where they can be. And so that's what Zenergy is all about, the urge for more peace and fulfillment in life. And so I would love for you guys to check out her show, Matriarch, mm-hmm. to follow her, to support her. Thank you. I would love for you to support, you know, all the things I have. I have all kind of stuff coming up. I do have some shows coming up. October 16th, I'll be at the Shrine of the Black Madonna. We'll be doing a show called Equinox. And it'll be comedy, music, poetry, and sound bowls. And uh, I will have an indie author day at the Shrine of the Black Madonna on November 5th. Um, November 6th, I'll be doing a show at Mr. Reverse It's Red Room. And uh, I got many other things coming up, but just follow me. Um, so Zenarche on Facebook, Zenergy on Instagram and TikTok, um, Z-E-N-N-U-R-G-Y. And uh, thank you guys for joining us. I do want to send a shout out to our sponsor for this show and for this month. It is... Arts Appreciation Month and our sponsor is the Arts Advocate mm-hmm. and their mission is basically to support all the arts and all nonprofits that, you know, collaborate with the arts and just to get people to realize that the arts make everything better and that they are a way for us to express ourselves mm-hmm. and a way for us to bring, you know, beauty into the world. And so check them out, the Arts Advocate. All right. And thank you guys for joining us and may you, you walk in synergy. Have a great night. Zenashea, a newly divorced 43-year-old Southern woman, wanted a fresh start. She'd heard there were plenty of fish to choose from in the modern dating pond. What she discovered were plenty of guppies, exactly 101 of them. The result? A provocative, transparent, raw, and delightfully uncensored account of her experiences with the 101 men she encountered on her journey to find the one. In Plenty of Guppies, Zen spills all the tea on dating psychology, relationships, and self-discovery while giving readers a rare glimpse into the life of an award-winning artist and best-selling author. The book is an enlightening narrative that explores gender roles and identity outside of societal expectations. Zen has written a refreshingly mature modern-day epic of online dating, layering her personal story with erotic poetic verses and passionate prose that frame her journey toward rebuilding a life as a single woman and adjusting to both an empty nest and boomeranging children.